Alright, this is Ricky. And this is Brendan. And you're listening to A Gentleman's Disagreement. What I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find in a case of lion's head. Folks of different minds because even though it did not share the pains we share, that American ideal friends made over arguments in an early morning buzz. Need an early morning buzz. All right, Brendan, it is evening here on August the 24th. Um, I got to see it pretty recently. We uh, got to enjoy ourselves a little concert, um, a little uh, music group that you've had some involvement in. We had a, uh, a great night. It uh, felt like a real real throwback for us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Dalton and the Sheriff's Ricky is smiling and chuckling to himself as he said i've had a little bit of involvement in this has been a, a huge part of my life for the last decade as, as ricky well knows and for our longtime listeners out there this is the same guy that does our intro and our outro the band's name is dalton the sheriffs if you are a new listener and you like the the vibe of our theme song you can go check them out on youtube spotify Apple, all the same places you would get our podcast. But yes, he was playing at the House of Blues this past weekend, and it was great of you and some of our other friends to show up and support. Um, we got a couple more House of Blues shows coming up for anybody in the Boston, New England area. You can you can go take a look at that too. But yes, Ricky, it was it was great to see you, and I think we had a little bit of fun. Yeah, we definitely had a good time. It was, uh, you know, it's it's funny. Like I live um, on a street that uh is just maybe five blocks away from my first ever trip to south boston or maybe like like my second um i grew up a stone's throw away from here but you know i just never had occasion to come down to this area that i now call home and have called home for the last six years but the first time that i really remember coming is that i was coming with you on a sunday afternoon uh, uh in like 2000 and yeah must have been 12 or 13 um and we were we were gonna go to this bar called the playwright and go see this band and i'm thinking this is gonna be a casual afternoon <laughs> and i can't i can't actually get in because there's like a line down the street and so it's really cool to see where you know where that where he's come from and where he's gone now on to you know, a couple thousand people at the House of Blues, some bigger shows even. Um, and it was really fun. And then I'm, I I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, did he bring his son on stage to do a, a to do a song? Yes, totally unplanned. His son's a star. He's in high school and is super talented. But the guitarist in the band blew out an amp and it was like all hands on deck. And obviously you can't really play without like your, your main guitarist there. And so his son, who was just watching and waiting in the wings, who is a musician in his own right, came on and filled in a couple songs while they solved the amp problem. But uh, that kid is a star and we hope is going to be an even bigger star than his dad currently is. Uh, I mean, it was I, the one I remember he did Castle on a Hill by Ed Sheeran, which is a, a great song. He did it on acoustic guitar, had his dad like 
come out because his guitar wasn't quite like plugged in right came out a few times and it was it was a super cool moment and uh and yeah i mean he absolutely killed it I had the entire crowd singing along too which was a lot of fun but yeah i mean just ricky imagine 15 years old to be out there singing in front of like thousands of people and have people just sing along with you i just like we we talked about this a million times to be a rock star is an absolute dream and to be able to live just a, a sliver of that as a high school kid it's i can't even imagine it yeah no absolutely and and i mean honestly like in some ways a dream but also just like a terrifying night like thinking of myself in high school standing up in front of any like five people and singing a song i would have you know crap my pants or something i mean (laughs) not saying that i could do it it just like yeah i would love to be able to do it Yeah. yeah right right fair enough well here's here's hoping you know to five ten more years of these podcasts and maybe uh mini meteoric rise of our own similar trajectory scully dalton and the sharks they've laid the pathway for us who who knows ricky you never know i mean i i think there is something to that though right it's just like keep doing the thing that you love and you'll find people who who like it too and um and you know maybe you'll get somewhere or maybe you won't but you'll be doing it for yourself anyways and that's like uh that's half the half the thing right that's really well said. Yes. I, I mean, I, to- I totally agree with that ethos. Clearly, this is what we're doing here. And these are like, this is where I've aligned all of the things in my life. But so I agree with what you're saying. And yes, retweet, right? Reacts, whatever. Yeah. But we, but we digress. Um, what, what are we talking about this week? Actually, before we get into what we're talking about, I wanted last week on a pod, you hit me with, uh, oh, do you know what day it is? And it was the Indian Independence Day, which you've now hit me with like every year and I should know by now. But this week, Ricky, might actually have been a bigger week for India as India became the fourth country ever to land on the moon in the first country to ever land at the South Pole of the moon, which is a big deal because recent science has indicated that if there are water reserves on the moon they would be in the south pole and so india landing on the moon is actually a huge deal so huge shout out india and really for like world exploration i don't know it was cool again i don't know if you saw any of the pictures or videos of like everyone gather around like the screens and watching it happen in india had a very public failure four years ago trying to land on the moon and to be able to come back and do it and again even though it seemed like obviously the united states soviet union did it 60 years ago not many countries have done it and it very few like very few people in the world or have ever landed something like this successfully in world history so it was kind of a big deal and i thought worth acknowledging at least yeah definitely uh you know these things that that generate the source of national pride are are always really cool obviously it's some bittersweet is not the right word, but you have like some conflicting emotions, like a a country that has so many people and still so, so many high levels of poverty, obviously investing the resources that they have to, in order to, to get to the moon rather than, you know, maybe some of the infrastructure related things at home is one thing, but then there is, you know, something to be said for generating that kind of national pride. And there is a lot of, um, yeah, there. I mean, there are a lot of good things that come out of that too. I'm certainly very proud of the accomplishment. Um, obviously, I was born here, but very much uh, identify as being <laughs> as being Indian. Um, so yeah, it was a it's definitely a cool moment. And it was actually in short order after Russia, which had more publicly. I wasn't even aware that India was trying to do this actually until India had done it. But I was aware that Russia was trying to actually make the same 
journey and land on the South Pole, but just past weekend had crashed. And speaking of crashes in Russia, as I'm sure you saw, um, Yevgeny Prigozhin, who we talked about just seems like a few episodes ago for his failed coup in uh, in Russia, post you took his his Wagner mercenary group, took it 150 miles away from Moscow. You and I kind of laughingly joked that like, oh, everything seems to be like peace and harmony and everything's okay. Where and where we know it wouldn't. And Putin, in the midst of purging a bunch of generals who he didn't feel were strong enough or loyal enough, in response to this coup that was or wasn't, now Prigozhin and many other leaders of the Wagner military group go down in a in a suspicious plane crash yeah um these suspicious accidents tend to happen to a lot of people who find them on the wrong sides of uh of putin's crosshairs sure and ricky my first reaction was like like typical like this is what everyone expected no one expected progression to be able to walk away after what he did and it's like kumbaya as putin made it seem after and like oh well let's let him go to belarus I think everyone knew that this was not the end of it. And then I was like, this is what happens in Russia. But then, of course, I think of things like Epstein killing himself. And I was like, well, it doesn't only happen in Russia. You know, like Putin's up there, like giving press conferences, being like, oh, what a tragedy that this this plane. And everyone's everyone's laughing because you know that's not true. Like everyone knows that, like you put this plane down. And and so my first reaction was like, typical Russia, this totalitarian, authoritarian regime, this is how they silence enemies and people that could you know, hurt them. And then you think of things like Epstein or Whitey Bulger, who this is very different, but these people who mysteriously die in jail with no cameras around. And I was like, it's maybe not so far away. Maybe you should put the mirror back up to us, as you frequently remind us to do. Well, you know, I if, if anything comes out of this podcast, it, it will be that we are both a little bit more skeptical. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> well, in, in the spirit of putting the mirror back up to us, we are going to react to the Republican, the first Republican primary debate that took place in Milwaukee last night. I'm super excited to dive into it. I was uh, excited that debates are back. And I think for a lot of people, they're like, oh, my goodness, 2020 still doesn't seem to be over. And we're already back into the next cycle. For me, I'm excited to be on to this cycle. And I was really excited because... I'm sure we'll get into this more as it looks increasingly like a rematch of 2020 in the Trump-Biden that was largely absent last night. We had eight candidates out there debating, largely debating ideas, which I really like doing clearly. And so I'm excited to get into your thoughts on the debate. Uh, Ricky, before we do that, a quick reminder, everyone, the podcast is brought to you by the hardworking craftsmen over at Cannon Hill Woodworking. They've been building handcrafted high-end custom tables and desks in Boston since 2018. That's Cannon with two ends. You can check them out on Instagram or visit them online at www.cannonhillwood.com. Ricky, I got another back to school question pun for you. Again, I think this is a a possibility. Where do saplings go to learn? Saplings, as you know, are the the young trees. I know it. Yeah, I got that one. So they must go to elementary school. Uh, I should have run through that. Yeah. All right. I think that's a play. Oh, we should. Thank you. I will say we, those of you who have followed on, this is our 100th episode. We will do some reflecting on the milestone that we have reached at the end of the episode. So if you want to hang out for that, we would appreciate it. If you are just here for the debate analysis, 
well, you can you can shut it off after that. But we appreciate everyone that listens to any of this. As always, let's get into it. So as I was just mentioning, I was thrilled to have this debate back in my life. Ricky, I don't know. Do you remember the last debate that we analyzed on this podcast? I I assume it was the the Trump Biden debate that, yeah. that was not <laughs> no exactly that was so October of 2020 we were a fledging podcast I think it was episode four like we had just started and we were like all right we'll cover the presidential debate what a perfect time and then I remember like getting on the phone with you like I don't know what I just watched I don't know how we're gonna talk about that <laughs> uh, so it was nice to have what I would consider largely a proper debate back and before we get into it in terms of the eight candidates on the stage, I suppose that we should acknowledge what Brett Bayer, who was the one of the moderators from Fox News on the debate, said was the elephant that wasn't in the room. And that obviously former President Trump, who is the faraway leader in all of the polls, opted not to participate. Ricky, what did you think of that decision? I thought it was I thought it was brilliant. Um there's no more recognizable name in the Republican Party than Donald Trump um, still dominates basically every like if you're not talking about him, you're talking about something that he did or talking about why what you're doing is different from what he's doing or it's actually the same, but it's better. Um, he really dominates all of the Republican discourse right now. And so he doesn't stand to win or gain anything from showing up to this debate. You know his politics. You know what he stands on positions. I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, if if I was him, I probably would have like cowered and showed up for this debate because that's like precedent and that's what you do leading up to a primary. But I'm not, and he did exactly what you would expect him to do, which is I have nothing to gain from this. Why would I show up? In fact, I have only things to lose, which is other opponents may get a good one liner on me or something that is going to be detrimental to my reputation and my standing, which in the Republican Party right now is still wildly high. Sure. And I think I would agree with you in terms of strategy. I think strategically in terms of trying to the Republican primary nomination, this is a, a great move. He not only skipped the debate, which was a talking point in and of itself, but then he released an interview with Tucker Carlson, formerly of Fox News. He released that interview on X, which is Elon Musk's new Twitter, essentially. And then Ricky, not only that, but he decided to turn himself in to Fulton County, Georgia today on his fourth indictment, which all of these things so not only skipping the debate news where the in and of itself people will be talking about Trump isn't there, but they'll also be talking about whatever comes out of that interview, which is being released simultaneous with the debate. And then the next day when everyone theoretically would be talking about who was good in the debate, who won the debate, who could expect a jump a bump in the polls, what are you instead talking about? You're talking about the former president turning himself in on his next indictment. So strategically, he's I think he and his team are playing this pretty much perfectly. Obviously, there are huge problems with all of it, but it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah it definitely does it was right like the i guess i guess they were right to sort of address it kind of pretty sure sure and yeah we'll get into that 
The last thing I'll say here, though, is that if and when potentially former President Trump does win the Republican nomination, he has left the door wide open for President Biden to be like, I'm not debating him. And I, I don't think at that point he would have any leg to stand on after what just happened here. And of course, of course, once Trump gets into this, he's going to try to goad President Biden into debating him, just like Christie and DeSantis tried to goad President Trump into doing it right here. But I, I'm just saying that while as much as I agree strategically for the Republican nomination is probably the right move, down the line, if I'm President Biden, what is there to be gained by by trying to debate President Trump at this point? Yeah, I mean, I would, <laughs> I would, I would agree with that as well. Um, you know that logic and these. I mean, the all that Trump will do, will do, and will have to do is use his platform to basically say he's not debating me because he's not of sound mind or whatever. He's, you know, he knows his positions are weak or blah blah blah. And I mean, yeah, if we end up with a rematch of Trump-Biden, it just it, I think it would be very hard to see people who went away from Trump in 2020 going back to Trump in 2024. Not to say I mean, that it wasn't close enough that like enough people could just randomly sit out that you could have a different outcome. But what would really be the point of a debate at that point? I don't know. Yeah, and that's what's kind of disappointing because, like, strategically, it make, makes sense for President Trump to skip this debate. And in the future, it might make sense for President Biden to skip a debate against the Republican nominee if it's President Trump. Like, that's not good for democracy. And so that's another just one of these things where it's like, as much as you and I might get it politically and strategically, it's disappointing for us as, like, a country and as, like, the democratic processes, which you and I both really value to see that has kind of fallen in, in in yet another way. Yeah, I mean, I guess in some instances, there in some ways, our system is not really designed for rematches. It's just not a thing that happens. Typically, you lose an election, especially the biggest one, and you kind of just go away. And so obviously, in, in this scenario, that's not happening. And so now we're kind of getting into a place where it's like a bit of uncharted uh not uncharted, obviously it's happened in the past, but like at least in our lifetimes yeah. or recent or the memory of my lifetime, um, this is new. Sure. All right. Well, with that elephant out of the way, let's focus on the eight candidates that were on the debate stage. And this is where it's trickier because as much as I want to just focus on what I thought was actually a, a fairly good substantive debate, like you might not have liked what they had to say, but largely I thought there was engagement on the issues. There were some interpersonal attacks. There were some exciting moments. Like it's everything you would kind of want as a viewer out of the debate, but it also seems so secondary in some ways, like you're really, you're playing for a second, but let, let's put that aside. Let's put, let's just focus on the debate as in its own little bubble here. So the eight candidates that made the Republican, uh, the who met the threshold that the Republican National Committee set for this debate were Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who's an entrepreneur, former South Carolina Governor and U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley, former Vice President Indiana Governor Mike Pence, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, current U.S. Senator for South Carolina Tim Scott, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, and Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. Ricky, initial thoughts, and this is, I completely acknowledge that there's so much bias, even like whether it's explicit or implicit bias in determining who you think were like the winners or winner of the debate, because there are people that 
inevitably, even for me as someone that considers themselves like an undecided voter in a, a, probably a Republican primary, there are still people who I am rooting for more than others. And so it's hard to kind of like take out my own feelings to think who won. But from your as unbiased as you could be, who were the, the person or people that you thought had a good debate last night? Um, uh, it's, it's a good question and it's a fair question. Um, I, I think I'll just have trouble answering it because I, I feel like if I'm a Republican and I'm looking for a candidate that's not Donald Trump, I'm still very disappointed with the field. Um, the candidates to me were really like, and I guess you always have to like come up with like, what is your identity? But there's something about how like inauthentic it felt or like even the authentic ones, like um, the uh, uh, boardroom, boardroom, um, those like felt just like weird to me. So like, he's like, I'm the small town mayor, governor, uh this is me. I bring the small town mindset. I, I have farmer values. Then Tim Scott's like, you know, I'm from South Carolina. I have a single mother. He said that like three times. You're right. You got the forward DEA, Asa Hutchinson. And like everyone has their little tagline that they're like throwing out there. Of course, nobody knows half of them. So right. you gotta, who's who's this person? Here's right. what I am. But when it came down to like offering real like substantive differences in policies i think like maybe nikki haley set herself apart in terms of like i can she was speaking both intelligently although i to me like a lot of what she says doesn't make any sense but there's a you know a bit of that like old school pragmatism mixed with these are my values but i'm realistic about what i can achieve and i like okay i'm I I felt at least like she seems sane, like sane enough, like passes my initial mental competency yeah. test, which I'm not sure um, everyone else on stage would have. And then, but in like in general, it was just, I don't know. It was, it was like, it was very disheartening that we get to an issue like abortion and it's still, if you, to be a member of the Republican party, you have to have to be pro-life and there's nothing else there is potentially like okay we can be states rights about it but whatever we i personally have to be pro-life or i can't be a republican there are like enough things like that to me that obviously they cut the same way in the democratic party but it's so disappointing because it doesn't feel like that's what i want my presidential elections decided on and I felt like there were just like a number of things like that. There were like a few, obviously the Ramaswamy guy was just, he's just the personification of Trump when Trump's not there. Uh, literally playing, like, it's like he studied his debate tapes and went back and, uh, he, I mean, he ripped off a little bit of Obama to start, but then, which I did, Chris Christie caught that like immediately. Yes. Yeah. It was amazing. He, what did he say? The skinny guy in the funny last name. Uh, which is uh, lifted right from what I mean, you know, Melania Trump did a little bit of uh, Michelle Obama plagiarism before. So why not? <laughs> right? I don't know. So I'm all over the place. But in general, I'm just I'm just kind of disappointed, I think. 
I wasn't. And maybe this was just me again being excited to get back in this debate mindset, which I enjoy the format anyway. And especially after the debate I referenced earlier, like this seemed like a much more real debate to me. But as I mentioned, I consider myself an undecided voter who is going to vote in the Republican primary. You know, I'm kind of looking for someone. There are several candidates who I like and I'm interested in, but I'm looking for someone to to pull me in. And I thought I'll, I'll start with Nikki. I thought she was great. And I had liked her candidacy coming into her. That she did declare and throw her name in the hat and had as watching her campaign from afar at this point, I thought it was fine, but like lackluster. And I just kind of like, she's just going to fade. She's never really going to get anywhere. And when I saw her on the debate stage last night, I was like, that's the Nikki that I thought I was going to get. I thought she was strong. She's one of the very few candidates on there that I felt actually try to answer the questions. And, and again, like you said correctly, so many of these people are trying to introduce themselves to the biggest audience that they've ever had before. And I get that. But it felt like she was able to do that in a really authentic way. She felt to me totally in command. Several times she was like, let's be honest with the American people. And she talked about that both with the spending and with the abortion, which I was like, you actually feel like you're you're trying, you're making sense to me. And, and it's funny because you said, and I'd like to get into this a little bit, some of the stuff that she said didn't make sense to you. But when we talked about the the spending and the deficit with both both you and I, more me, I deficit, she was the first one to be like, let's be honest with everybody. It's not just the Democrats that have done this. President Trump, Vice President Pence, uh, Congressman DeSantis, they, they all, uh, Senator Scott, all voted increased our debt by $8 trillion while they were in office. I was like, yes, like that's, that might not be, it didn't get a lot of applause because I think a lot of people are like, whoa, whoa, this is this Republican primary here. We're not supposed to talk to Dems, you know, but I was like, that's right. Like you're actually being honest at this point. And the same thing with the abortion stuff where obviously she as a woman is in a unique position on that stage to be able to walk a, a more fine line. But I think that makes her an even better candidate with an issue like this to be like, look, I am, distinctly pro-life but let's be honest they're like we're not going to get a federal ban so to, to like argue that in favor of some of these things is totally ridiculous and so i i really enjoyed her performance she's someone now who i i hope gets a little bit of a bump and so yeah that she she was my personal big winner out of this uh i mean she may get a bump among the old school republicans but her she is kind of the embodiment of the like the republican ethos from the 90s right yep that's this is not today's republican party and so if she manages somehow to win the ticket which with like eight candidates it's not impossible nine candidates not impossible like you don't actually have to get that many votes the problem she's gonna face is obviously generate energizing that portion of the trump base that doesn't care about pragmatism doesn't care about any of like the rational like well you have to work with democrats when they control the senate and possibly congress again right like that is not i think a a winning thing and then in terms of what uh, what on uh like the things that she put forward that bothered me the most to me, from a foreign policy standpoint, she's like the Republican version of Hillary Clinton, which is this super hawkish. The only way to deal with Russia, North Korea, China is to, uh, you know, Iran is to basically like dump money and arms into all these things. So don't talk about 
I'm going to be this tough lady on deficit reduction when really all you're all you're telling me is that you're going to be cutting blank checks all across the all across the world for the defense bill, the defense spending. And so like that is I mean, there there was like a lot of I did like the introspection into the Republican Party. It's like you say you want to be this crusader for pro-life, but you're not being realistic because you need 60 votes in the Senate and you know you don't have them. I like that. Obviously, potentially that like doesn't, unfortunately, may not matter to Republican voter, like enough Republican voters in the primary. But again, this, yeah, uh, the inability to like really differentiate foreign policy standpoints um, to from economic policies to like what is like really going on, right? Because obviously they don't have the unemployment numbers to pick at. So now they're like harping on inflation a ton, but the inflation story is kind of muddled because it's kind of coming down a little bit. I don't know that like, again, like in terms of where's the focus of this Republican party in terms, it's, it's just confusing because the old school narratives of, well, we have to cut our, we have to balance the budget. We have to trim our spending we have to tackle inflation are all confusing because while we've had kind of runaway spending for 20 years, we've only just had inflation. The spending hasn't gone anywhere. Inflation's kind of coming down. So like, what are we, what's, what, like, what can we latch on to? And I think they're just, they're so confused and it's, I don't know, the, I think that's the, the message is, is, is odd for me. I thought it was interesting that they started off the debate kind of bringing up this song that's caught fire. I don't know if you've, if you've listened to it all or if you've got any thoughts on that. So the song that Ricky's referencing, and if you watch the debate, you know, is this song that is now the number one song in the country by this previously unknown artist out of Virginia called Rich Men North of Richmond, which is a great title for a song and is about us. Go listen to it. Interesting, provocative lyrics essentially saying that people in DC want to control how you act, how you think. And this resonates with a large portion of Americans more on the right side of things, I would say now, but a lot of people on both sides who feel left behind and left out of the politics of of DC. Yeah. I don't, I don't have many more thoughts beyond that. And it's aside than it seemed that Fox is like recognizing that this is like hot in the culture right now. And this also kind of plays some red meat to the base. Let, let's toss that out there. And, and it'll, it allows the candidates to kind of take it where they want. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the reason that I bring it up is that, I mean, it's really, really one of those like from the heartland rural country, sort of rural poor, that's sort of the, the target audience and like who the song is supposed to speak to really and this is also the kind of in in many ways the new republican base like the post trump republican base um the one that's the most energized for primary votes and is really bolstering you know turning out in record numbers during the presidential elections right but you look at across the crowd and who represents that in this crowd chris christie from new jersey no this like the new guy the billionaire ramaswamy no uh nikki haley no like no one does but they are 
carrying this banner. And I think in some ways, in very similar ways, like you can look to the Democratic Party that has long kind of been the champion of of black causes of like the urban poor, right, in the same way and been like, but who really like understands the problems that these people face in their neighborhoods? And and it's nobody. And I think the thing that's scary about this field and again, like who we have left in, I mean, obviously the, the, the choice is Biden now on the, on the, on the left is that we are, we're, you know, supposedly representing these two big, huge chunks of American society, right? It's like the rural poor and the urban poor. And you don't have anyone who's had actual experience with either of these, but both of them solution is basically, well, you know, if you're on the right, the left focuses too much on the urban poor, and they're basically taking away all of your opportunity, rural poor, and we're going to be your champions. And it's like this vice versa thing. And just watching the debate and having listening to them, like talk about inflation and all this stuff that sure, you know, they're saying, well, this, this hurts you. And obviously it does, but where were the solutions or like, what about it is making your life more difficult besides not being able to buy, spend in the same way. But there was never really any talk of like structurally, how could we fix this? Right. Like what policy did you hear that was really targeted at like, this is, you know, we're, we're recognizing that, you know, poverty in rural areas is this huge issue. And like, how are we going to fix it? Or, it was it was so high level and broad scale around America is just in decline. And so obviously we need someone who's not the person in the White House to do it with no real explanation for, well, why why is it in decline? What are we doing differently? So I don't know that that was like the whole it just felt like people talking in circles and not saying anything. Yeah, I mean, part of that is just a debate, right? You have two hours less than that with commercials and eight people on stage. You don't have chances and. When you're talking about poverty, which is obviously a huge issue in the country, like to be fair to the candidates, they didn't get a question about that. Like, I know that they don't answer the questions anyway, but like largely you answer the questions that you're asked. And so when you're asked about Ukraine and asked about abortion, then like those are the questions you're going to answer. Yeah, I guess. I I mean, I feel like this is the the issue that like is the undercurrent of all presidential elections is like how how do you how do you find that group of people that you can basically say that like my candidacy is here to make your lives better and people don't talk about you. Right. And like there was nothing in, and, and I think maybe this could be partially on Fox for focusing on to me, what are all like some side issues. Like there was they talked a little bit about Bidenomics and how, but I mean, what, what was put forth, by any of the candidates that was so significantly different. Like I'm going to focus on China and I'm going to like stop the spending. And it's like, okay, what does that even mean? And what, like, what? I mean, even Nikki Haley, right. She was like, we, we have, I don't know what she said, what number of people we have on welfare or food stamps. And I'll tell you right now, I'm just going to cut that. Like, or I'm going to stop the spending. It's like, okay, does that deal with the issue? Like people don't want to be on food stamps. Why are they on food stamps? Like, right. Like, how is that helping anything? That was, that's where I got just like so hung up. It's like the same, same, same old thing. Like, what did I hear that was different besides Ramaswamy regurgitating Trump? 
And I think this is the saddest part about it is like after listening to this debate, the one thing I like came away with, I was like, I hate 98% of the stuff that comes out of Trump's mouth, but at least he was freaking original. Like at least he was saying stuff that I hadn't heard before. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, it, I mean, it's almost impossible Ricky, to separate what's happened in the last seven years from what happened at the time, but that's where like, you really could have been. And certainly I was a little bit being like, I don't really like this guy. And I don't think he's like presidential material, but he's interesting. Right. And like, he, he is saying some things that are at least making me think. Uh, but so two things, one, you and I have talked repeatedly that presidents have very little power over the economy or like even really the day to day of like how to make people's lives better. So I actually thought, from like a, what can actually presidents do while most people don't care about foreign policy, as you and I have talked about a million times, that's where presidents actually have like the biggest impact as, as you know. And so that discussion to me, while again, that's not getting anybody elected with what their foreign policy is. I thought there was, there were striking differences between the candidates and their foreign policy. And I, I enjoyed that, that discussion. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair enough. And I probably needed to, hone in on more what I think presidents can and can't do than to to get caught up in more of like the the message and yeah <laughs> right a lot of like the pie in the sky uh promises that really can't be could never be delivered on and certainly that's why again I liked what Nikki was saying even like when Mike was like you know because the the pro-life section of the Republican base is like all I want to hear is that you are pro-life and that you are going to get rid of abortion and Nikki was like yeah like that might be nice but like let's be honest about how government works and I was like well I appreciate that but the other big winner I'm very curious Ricky and well, in a minute I'll I want your take what you thought of the debate because this is like the first time we, we've kind of he's been in the background and we've seen him climbing the polls a little bit and he's been ubiquitous in media if you follow this political stuff but this was his first time literally on the big stage and he was standing at the center with DeSantis because he was the second highest polling candidate on the stage and I thought he was a big winner last night I also was totally turned off by him I so I'm texting with I was texting with you and our other friend Dan who's been on the program before and I'm also texting with some other Republican friends of mine and I was like this guy is definitely winning because he's at the center of every big moment he's giving he's taking like if, if, if I'm thinking Ricky like walking the next day 24 hours later what were the big moments it was um Vivek and and, and Nikki and Vivek and and Pence and be back in Christie and all of them, he's right in the center. And in terms of bolstering his name recognition, his being willing to mix it up and being the Trump proxy, as you said, thought he did a phenomenal job. I was also like, you are just, you are so smug. I, like, I don't, I don't believe what you're saying. I don't know that you believe what you're saying. It seems like you're just out here for yourself. And so I was, I did, he pushed me away while also made me begrudgingly be like he was very good tonight <laughs> i don't know what to make of that yeah yeah i mean i think he's i i texted you and dan this like halfway through i was like this guy's gunning for that vp spot that pence is not gonna get this time <laughs> and i and i'm actually i'm kind of half sold on that as a possibility because right he a, he's very much honed in on Trump's style, which is interrupt people, say stuff that's kind of nonsense, but kind of catchy. Um, I 
I think that the climate they, agenda is a hoax, Ricky. <laughs> the climate exactly. agenda is a hoax. Exactly. But he loves to say that stuff because on the it'll get play on the Democrat side, right? You're going to see left wing media just take that clip and send play it over again. And then it'll get play on the right hand side. Well, he'd be like, well, they didn't let me finish. They didn't let me talk, like show the context. And like, what about this stat? And what about that stat? And this is why I think that climate policies do more harm than good. And that's, and it's all about supporting China. And it's this whole George, whatever, you know, I, like he, no, he wasn't doing the, we, we, we should get, we can get to DeSantis in a minute, but it was, it, I mean, it, it paid right out of Trump's playbook, and I think he played it very well. Like, he didn't have to make a ton of sense because his whole point is actually like, like Trump's thing is to do, to say these things that um, are kind of like the wink and nod to the people who follow me. It's not that, you know, I, I want everyone else to get riled up. But I want you to know that I know what I'm talking about. And so like the people who follow him on YouTube, I'm sure like are listening to that and being like, oh, yeah, everyone thinks he's dumb. But really, he knows more than all of them. And you were like, (laughs) I I didn't exactly know how I was going to bring this up. But this the like the American obsession with the the quote unquote self-made billionaire is very interesting to me um in terms of why you know on the one hand like the george bushes of the world were well he's like my down-to-earth guy that i could get a beer with and so i like him and here's this guy who's like i mean i think having a beer with him would maybe be the most painful like i'd rather have my wisdom teeth taken out than to listen to him talk about how much of a genius he is for (laughs) however long he would go for because i'm sure he could go for forever um but there's this reverence like uh he knows something that we don't know because he's got this much money and i think that's like i yeah i don't know but he did his job which was yeah let me be the center of basically every discussion let me have people invoke my name when they're giving their response so i get my 15 seconds and if and he did it he did he did that uh, in spades, especially early on. I told I told you I had to quit after two hours. I couldn't take it anymore. But um <laughs> But that's what that's when ratings are at its highest too, which as I'm sure he knows it, so he's inserted himself. Again, he and his team, he was no one knew who he was three months ago, and all of a sudden he's now third in the Republican primary. And I don't think anyone truly believes he has a shot of winning, but that's it's a huge accomplishment for him. And again, he's 38 years old. So I mean say what you want about the guy, and I'm not Clearly not a huge fan of his, but at the same time, you got to kind of give credit where credit is due. I, I do think what was interesting was that to me, I saw a clear split on stage because at different times, I thought Nikki did a great job putting him in his place at one point being like, you have no foreign policy experience and it shows. And then at one point, Christie, who had caught up on, who knew, who picked up on the Obama, like the Obama plagiarism, plagiarism line, called him out as like chat GPT up here. And Pence at one point called him out. It's like, he was like, I'm not going to have this at this point. And so to, to me, I'm like, these are the traditional politicians, which who are clearly not the Republican base at this point, but it's, it's people who have, you might, Ricky, you might dislike their positions, but they have largely done things the right way. And so I was drawing a line on one side, you have Nikki, you have Christie, you have Pence, you have Asa Hutchinson, and probably Burgum to a certain extent. And on the other side, you have Vivek and 
in DeSantis, clearly. And so I, I was like, there's a clear line between people who have who've come up and, and served the American people for a long way and in different ways. And the, these other people who seem to be opportunists and grifters in some ways. So let's talk about one of the other people. Go ahead. I got maybe one thing before we switch. So I agree, I agree in, in some sense that if you are a believer in like doing things the right way, which I don't think that many people in the Republican party are still really? ardent believers in that, yeah. then sure. You know, when Nikki Haley's like yelling at him about Israel that you're like, yes, you know, you're, you know, and former ambassador to the UN you tell him that he doesn't know what he's talking about. But if you're anybody else who is maybe not as impressed with that experience um, and thinking to yourself, well, if American foreign policy has gotten us to where we are, and that is just like spending money, like, you know, as if there's no, (laughs) as if the spigot just can't run dry and we haven't really achieved any of these, like, the goals, I mean, of course, you can be like, well, the Biden administration ruined everything, which, you know, if you look at it, they didn't really do anything that that different than anyone's been doing for the last 20 years, right? It's just continue to spend more and more and more and continue to try and isolate our enemies and like do do like whatever we've been doing. And so if you if you think that Nikki Haley's response was that impressive, to me, all it signals is I'm going to come in there and kind of do the same thing that we've always been doing. And so, like, even if he's got no experience, I don't know that that's yeah. going to kill him that much because it's like, well, whatever, he's going to do something different. And that, yeah. that was the same appeal that Trump had. And it's yeah. not I don't think necessarily that it's good. And I'm not saying that experience shouldn't count for anything. But all of those people that you named, Christie, Pence, Nikki Haley, they're all basically running on uh, America's in this disastrous place. It's in decline. We're going to do something. We're going to like bring it back. But we're also we've also all been here throughout this entire thing. So but, you know, take us at our word. We're so different. Yeah, and I think that's fair. That's why there's always such an infatuation with the outsider and in, in all of these in all of these, the not a career politician type situation. It's it's always, it's always been a great card to play and Vivek is playing it well. I do think to kind of circle back to an earlier point you made about the song, like Richmond, North of Richmond, like who's representing those people. Like Trump was the guy, right? Which was always like, it was possible like rationally to comprehend how a, a multi-billionaire from New York city was the one that was, that everyone was able to be like, he's my voice. He's got our backs. But Vivek's kind of playing the same card is like in one simultaneously, he's being like, I am this billionaire, like you should look to me, but also being like, hey, you little guy out there in, in rural America, I've got your back, which is that's hard for me to totally understand. But I, I do want to talk about DeSantis, who, Ricky, last May, you and I did a whole episode with our guest, our friend Austin Jackson, uh, about DeSantis, because he was the guy he was the anointed. If like, it's not Trump, it'll be DeSantis. And that's clearly not been the case. We talked about it with Mo and Nikayla when we did our draft presidential candidates back in you know a few months ago. So, what did you think of his performance? I I've been reading and listening to some to pundits across the spectrum over the course of the day, and I feel like there's the biggest divide on his performance. What did you think of it? There was a divide. I yeah, 
absolutely atrocious. All right. I mean, he has his buzzwords that I, I actually, I mean, you know, in terms of doing my oppositional research, I've clearly done none, but <laughs> I've never, I had never really listened to a speech of his. I've just heard like clips and sound bites, which obviously have always been kind of revolting to me, but at the same time, I could be like, okay, I know why that is catchier. I know why that like works. And then to hear him deliver some of these in person, it was like laughable when he would just like randomly be like, you know, this blah, 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 and the deep state and then blah, blah, George Soros. Like, are we listening to like a QAnon (laughs) YouTube script on loop? Like what is going on? He was like malfunctioning and just like spitting out weird words and i was just like what are you doing dude you're supposed to be the guy when trump's not around you're number one everyone should be going after you and to me everyone was like this guy's a clown we don't have to beat him we just have to like get ourselves to be one and one with trump like it doesn't matter what he's doing you're not a survivor fan are you like a a fan of the show uh not enough i feel like i know enough about the concept of all right so, sometimes like as a viewer you're watching it and you're like why why aren't they getting out rid of this person like this person seems to be controlling the game and then at the end it comes out and that person's at the final three and gets zero votes and i, and I was like oh like everyone just thought this guy was a clown right like just like as a viewer you think this person's controlling the game but in actuality if you, when you're playing the game you know that that's when you were talking that's what made me think of you're like oh we're standing on the outside being like desantis is the clear number two he's he, he's the guy and everyone else is up there being like okay did you listen to him <laughs> like that's how i felt but ricky i will say that and i'm reading a lot of things people are like desantis best performance even texting with some of my republican friends last night they were like i forgot how good of a debater he was and i so this isn't Again, I we might be biased on this. I just thought he came across so fake to me. Like, there's been a big joke about how in his memos it's been like, be likable, Ron. Like, come on, Ron, like, be personable. Like, these sorts of things that, like, you shouldn't have to, like, write down for, like, your candidate to, like, be likable. But it just came across, like, kind of like you were saying, like, robotic of, like, all right, I got my talking points. And I know how to deliver them. But it was... I, I was just like, I don't, I, similar to Vivek in some ways, but I thought Vivek was so good with his delivery as opposed to DeSantis. I was like, you're just saying things. I, it just, just, he just didn't seem genuine at all to me. No, I mean, like they would, I mean, ask a question. He's like, why are you asking me this question? Like, I want to talk, like the climate change thing. Like, I'm not saying that. Let me say this other random thing about the deep state and Biden and this. I I'm really curious as to what they found so compelling about his debate style other than like I'm not going to answer questions I don't want to answer and I'll just say the things that I wanted to say regardless of the question that was asked like in some ways potentially that's effective that was in many ways how Trump dealt with debates like I don't need to I'll just say what I want to say like you can ask whatever question you want to ask they don't have to be Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just say that that that's our opinion is clearly not the consensus, but that's you and I are certainly in agreement on that. I'll just a few parting thoughts, freaking you can hop in on any of these guys. Mike Pence, he's not going to win. I'm not going to vote for the guy. I don't love the guy, but I do respect the guy. I, re- I, I honestly really do. And he's just he is who he is. He's a 
true blue conservative. He is religious. He ha- he knows where he is on abortion. He said at one point when Nikki was talking about where Nikki gave her great response about abortion, in my opinion, great response. And uh, Nikki was like, you got to get consensus at the federal level, which you do. That's just factual. And Pence was like, consensus is the opposite of leadership. And I was like, that that's a really good quote. And that's why you will never be elected. Like you will never win a presidential race like that. But I respect the fact that you're just going out there and you're totally being yourself and you're a principled man and you stood for that. You stand you stand for life, you stand for religion, you stand for the constitution. Uh, and I guess like I I can not only respect that. And I will say that this isn't a new take. I've I've read this before, but that he's not running for president, he's running for his legacy where he's been dragged through the mud over the past three years for doing something that was actually quite principled. And I think it was probably nice for him when Fox asked all the other candidates, did Mike Pence do the right thing? And people like Christie and Scott and less so these other candidates were actually stood up and were like, yes, he did do the right thing because there are millions of people watching Fox news audience who don't hear that and haven't heard that in three years. And so I was kind of like happy for him that maybe he got a little bit of a moment there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess uh <laughs> i thought i okay. I, I, right. I i feel like as much as vivette ramaswamy is running for uh is, is running for trump's vp christy all of a sudden was like i'll be your vp pence <laughs> look it was right. so weird how how long of a thing he went into to congratulate pence for literally just doing his job and yes i it potentially takes some courage to not be like overtly corrupt in front of uh in front of like yes uh you know your your supporters uh potentially uh turning on you but i mean the the response he gave to nikki haley i'm not entirely sure what it was but i think he just started like going into like a bible verse and um i think his level of religiosity while obviously still uh you know not irrelevant in a lot of parts of america is past where most americans are today and honestly it kind of creeped me out a little bit okay he's probably probably not talking to you anyway though he's not trying to get your vote over there um (laughs) i i i will say it was funny because christy cut off Pence, like Pence was trying to answer that January 6th question. And Chrissy turns to him and goes, hold on, you'll like my answer. <laughs> and I was like, I was like that, that's kind of a funny one. And I will say, Ricky, Christy, another guy not going to win. I like Christy. Like, I, like he's he's clearly been this like opportunist flip-flopper, like was totally anti-Trump, then dropped out and endorsed him right away. And now worked for him kind of, and now was like running on attacking him. So whatever, you can't trust that guy as far as you can throw him. And clearly you can't throw him that far. But I will say, like, he does seem likable to me. Like, I, I like I enjoy listening to him. And in a weird way, even knowing, like, how much he's flip-flop, he seems like an, a, an authentic guy. Tim Scott seems like an awesome guy. Gave me nothing last night. He's been hugely disappointing. He was a guy I was thrilled to get in the race. Has incredible uh, personal, like, ratings, like, favorability ratings. Everyone loves, loves Tim Scott. No one has a bad thing to say. I don't think leaving last night, anyone had another bad thing to say about him other than the fact he was totally forgettable. Two other good guys, Hutchinson and, and Burgum, seem like very nice guys. They're going nowhere. They should probably get out of the race. Uh, those are my final thoughts on all of the candidates on the stage. Yeah, I I don't know that I have um, a ton to add to that. 
except I think I feel like I'll just like round back to there were just a f- yeah a few too much of of the like identity oriented like you should vote for me because I get you because I'm I'm either from a small town or I grew up with a single mother or yeah uh i don't know actually how hutchinson was trying to relate to anybody um (laughs) at all and i don't think he did uh (laughs) but i mean this is still a party that's clearly just like scrambling for an identity no platform no real like yeah on the one hand the old school republicans who want to figure out how do we get back to Reaganomics are, yeah, maybe they're more interested in Nikki Haley than they were before. Cause they didn't really know who she was. And, you know, the more right wing are like maybe more interested in Ramaswamy, but realistically are like, yeah, I guess if Trump like croaks or something between now and next November, he could be my guy, but realistically he's got no shot. And I didn't hear anything there was nothing interesting. I didn't learn anything other than like some people are okay at debates and other people have to get their scripts in order from their, whatever their teams are. And they do a horrible job when they're just like trying to fit in their one liners. Um, but yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I clearly had a different take on it. And again, like you're not the principal audience for this anyway. I, I enjoyed the debate. We will do this again. The next Republican debate is about a month from today. I think it's September 27th. It'll be interesting to see how the how the field changes over that time. And I will say, Ricky, like you, I don't disagree with you about the Republican Party struggling to articulate a platform and a reason to vote for as opposed to vote against. But if President Biden wasn't running and the Democrats had like their candidates on the stage last night for the same thing, I think they would have the exact same problem. I could not agree more. Um, I could. I just think. I just think everything's in flux right now because there have been, I think Trump shook it up so much in the, the changing of where the demographics are in the two parties. People are still like the traditional conservatives, the traditional liberals are still trying to get a handle on like where they fit in the, in their new parties and like their new uh, really demographics there. So I, I, I do think that it's a struggle to articulate a platform on both sides. And that's what you and I have lamented. And that's where I think it will be interesting. And, Again, unfortunately, Trump's likely just going to come out and dominate this. And this this is all going to be irrelevant. But there at least seemed to me last night a genuine DeSantis and Ramaswamy putting forward one kind of vision and Haley and Pence putting forth a different kind of vision. And obviously, like those are not the same. Vivek and Ron are not the same and Nikki and Mike aren't the same. But uh, it just seemed like that that was like authentic policy disagreements on things. Yeah, I all right. And and now maybe I'm going to be running around in circles um or chasing my own tail here. I think that the parting thought that I have is that, you know, we've tried to find silver linings for what Trump has done to American politics and obviously there have been a lot of negatives to harp on, but one of the things was this kind of opportunity to reimagine a lot of the old tried and true things that really haven't impacted people in the way that we were promised they would, whether it's, you know, tax breaks that turn into trickle down economics that we've seen don't work, whether it's 
what policing that okay democrats say less police and we say more police well neither of those have seemed to be the answer to crime or drug problems right like all of these solutions that we have kind of clung on to as this is how the other party is screwing up america and we're going to do the opposite i think in the last 50 years we've had so many examples of how neither of the ways that we've been doing things have worked and foreign policy is like no better example. And the thing that I'm scared about is that, yes, you know, maybe you, you have a choice in the Republican primary, but to me, it still feels like you have two bad choices or potentially four, whatever, four bad choices. And that's, I think that like, I'm, I was hoping that, you know, somebody coming in, kind of dropping a bomb and saying, there is no platform. You don't have to adhere to anything. Come with your ideas and like, let's see, let's make the the best ideas win. And all the ideas are similar, kind of similar, like similar to old ideas. And that's, I think the, that, that's sort of where I landed. I mean, I don't know. I feel like as a person who almost exclusively votes for Democrat candidates, I'm still very like malleable and I'm like looking for somebody to propose something that I can latch on to. And also I'm unregistered in Massachusetts. So I will, I will be voting the Republican primary as well. Um, the, and I don't know, I didn't get that yet. And I'm maybe I'm hopeful for more substantive debate moving forward, but well, we'll, we'll look. Yeah, we'll look forward to that. Again, that that'll be in about a month. We'll do another one of these recasts. Maybe we'll bring on a few of our other friends who are watching this to give us some different perspectives. Because I think debates are so much in the eye of the beholder that the more perspectives we can get on these conversations, that's why I love texting with you and our other friends during the debate because it's so interesting to see how we're seeing the same things, even though like we're so similar in a lot of ways, we're still seeing things differently. Just imagining how people very different from us are seeing these and interpreting these uh, these debates. So. For sure, we'll be back in a month. Uh, thank you to everyone that listens. If you want to stick around for after the break, Ricky and I will give some hopefully brief thoughts on a milestone episode for us. Yeah, I guess I had a little more thoughts on that debate than I probably should have <laughs> recorded on oh, this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see you after the break. So for people that have been listening from the beginning, you know this story, but we have been fortunate to gain a lot of new listeners over the course of these 100 episodes. But I proposed this idea to Ricky five years ago, 2018. I, was, I sent him an email. I said, I think we should do a podcast. Laid out, I laid out all my reasoning as this, I want to do. And Ricky just ignored me. Did, just didn't even respond. Hi. And then... We talked in August of 2020, so three years ago. We talked, Ricky, at your house, your old house now in, in Saudi. And and then I sent a follow-up email, which was three years ago last week, being like, hey, if we're going to do this, here are some of the things we should do. We should try to get a name and a logo, and we, and we need microphones, so we need to come up with ideas. <laughs> and so that was, about, that was about three years ago that we were like, all right, we're actually going to do this. And when you get into things like that, Ricky, I guess I'll speak for myself. When I got into this, I was hopeful that it would be fun, that it would be interesting, that I would learn. And that was really it. Like there was no vision other than that. Is that like, hey, I think that you and I could create something interesting. We could have good conversations that we could learn from each other. And perhaps people 
would listen and, and learn from us and could, would continue these conversations. And I feel very grateful that we've been able to do so many. I can't, I mean, hundred episodes in three years. I like, I guess I would have hoped that we were able to do that, but I did. It's not even something I envisioned at the time of like that far in the future, that many episodes. And so the fact we've been able to do, it's been very cool. I would say the biggest piece of feedback I get or the, the piece of feedback I get most consistently is what do you call it? General, general disagreement. You don't disagree that much. And uh, I would say to those people, I always kind of say two things. One, I think we actually do disagree on a lot of things, but it's just, it's, it's more on the margins. Like when this was never meant to be a podcast of like yelling at each other and trying to prove each other right and being like a, like a hot take, first take, get up part of my intro, like those type of things. Like that was not the point of this podcast to start with. So if, like if you're tuning in, hope, hoping that we're going to yell at each other every episode about abortion or gun control, like that's not going to happen. The whole point was to have trying to like have reasonable disagreements and so I think we actually do that more than people potentially think, but because the tone is not like that and the, the, our clips are not just hot take clips of us being like, you're wrong for X, Y, and Z reason that like, that doesn't mean that there's not legitimate disagreement in our points. And I will say like the second point to that is that we actually, in a lot of ways, don't disagree that much. And even though like what our disagreements are substantive and they're real, another part of this the point of this podcast was to be like someone that consistently votes Democrat and considers themselves a liberal and someone that is consistently votes Republican considers themselves a conservative. Well, let's see how different we actually are on some of these issues. And it turns out on some of them, we are still very different and other ones we're not in some ways we've been, we flip-flopped in some ways where it's like on it, on this issue that you would think that Ricky would be on one side and I would be on the other side. That's not been the case. And that's been really interesting to me too. So those have been, in my moments of reflection, of which I have many with this podcast, those have been some of my main takeaways. Yeah, I, th- I think that was really well said. When uh, thinking about 100 episodes, given where we started, um, is in some ways like un- in unfathomable to me. Um, when, you know, it in, in some other ways, it also just feels like we're just getting started. And a lot of this is uh is is credit is credit to you people in my life will tell uh will easily recount stories of uh me not sticking with things and I probably wouldn't have stuck with this either if it weren't for you um so I'm definitely grateful to have you as my co-host but like I have always said from the beginning we'd be having these conversations anyways um so might as well get them on paper I think one of the things I or on, on audio as it were um, one of the things that I was hoping to get out of this is just to be able to have a little bit of a time capsule of like how I think and how I view the world. Because in 2020, um, as we were sitting down to do this, I sort of remember thinking how differently I was already thinking about the world from, say, 2015 or things that I had held as you know, incontrovertible truths to me in 2010, how those had slowly shifted or, you know, repositioned or or whatever over the years. And I wanted to be able to put down somewhere and sort of hash out some things that I like just think about a lot um, and, and try to understand and try to make sense of the the world around us, our political system, and just how 
things are evolving. And yeah, just try to make sense of us in this, uh, <laughs> yeah, this very, very large world of ours, but a world that's also very small. And like you said, we do have substantive disagreements, but they're often a lot more nuanced than the media would sort of portray our two sides of the political spectrum. And that was the whole point. We just weren't hearing debates where you could agree on certain things and still think XYZ is wrong or still think XYZ policy was important. Um, I think the, the best thing that I've gotten out of this so far is that I've become so much more critical of my own beliefs because before, especially when you're having these arguments in your head, it's very easy to like pick apart the other side and be like, I can't. And you know, there were times where I was like, I can't wait to tell Brendan this. I'm going to say X, Y, Z thing. And then he's not going to have anything to say. And our debates would just go in such a different direction that I couldn't even bring up X, Y, Z thing because you were thinking about, you know, ABC here on the other side and having those discussions has often led me to just realize that, you know, it's just important to get out of your own head. And in many ways, sometimes the only way to do that is to just speak these thoughts to somebody else who will engage with you on them. And um, I've been very lucky to do that. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get to here's to a hundred more. No, I think that's one really well put and two, I do hope that we can keep doing this for a long time. And we've taken this in directions that neither of us had anticipated at the beginning in terms of the guests that we've been able to have on. And and we say this like every time we have a guest on, like how incredibly fortunate we are to be able to talk to these people. And so it's not only you and I pushing and pulling on ideas, but getting other people in there and challenging our own thing, our own beliefs and forcing us to confront other ideas and ways of viewing the world. And that's been really special. And so Obviously, thanks to all the guests that have come on, but Ricky's right. We would do this. No one was listening, but it's been much more of a treat that people do listen and that people do follow along and reach out to us offline and want to continue to have these conversations. And that's been really special to us. And so, as always, we appreciate everyone that listens. Indeed. Till next time, bud. 101 to the next 100, Ricky. We stay up all night on Garner Avenue Debating all the issues of the day No agenda, not yet Talking heads, running around till we forget where it was we began Some mornings you were away, some morning left your ego bruised But what I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find in a, a case of lion's head and folks of different minds because even though it did not share the pains we share all that American ideal friends made over arguments in an early morning buzz need an early morning buzz learn the hard way but to those who would die upon that hill, quiet truth is better 
Somewhere along the line We seem to have forgotten That you sometimes being wrong Some mornings you away Some morning let your ego bruise But what I wouldn't give For the hope I used to find In a case of lion's head And folks of different minds Because though we didn't share Opinions we share Loud American ideals Friends made over arguments In an early morning bus I need an early morning bus There's hope behind the bluster Cause the old Main Street may not sell It's full of folks just like you and me When we have trouble seeing The human for the politics It's time to find a better way to disagree Some days you win Some days we'll leave your ego through But what I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find And chase the lion's head And folks with different minds Because though we did not share Opinions we share on that American ideal Friends made over arguments And an early morning buzz oh, What I wouldn't give for The hope I used to find In a case of lion's head Folks with different minds Because Though we did not share opinions, we share that American ideal. Friends made over arguments in an early morning buzz. I need an early morning buzz.